0: morning again. Thank you. Making sure people are actually alive and breathing out there. Our text this morning is of course Revelation chapter 1 verses 17 through 20. That's the end of chapter 1 and the title is Do Not Be Afraid. World events seem to be crowding in on us, pressing upon us, swarming all around us. Tragedies, catastrophes, crises seem to descend on us with no let up. Violent crime has turned our inner cities into ghettos of fear and anger. Pornography and obscenity are infiltrating every area of our culture. There's an undermining of traditional or conservative family values. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of unborn babies or slaughtered under the title of choice. It seems as though Satan's having a heyday. And many are asking, well, who is in charge? Is God really in control of the events happening all around us? And if he is in control, why doesn't he do something about it? It may come as no surprise to you, or a surprise to you, that we're not the first ones to ask these questions. John was the last one of the apostles. When he is 80 years old, all the other apostles had been martyred. They have been killed for their faith. Now we know some of them what happened, some of them were traditions that passed by. I report you to uh, the book, The Martyrs. I have it in my office that tell us what happened to all the early disciples of Christ. And John had served in the church of Ephesus, and under Dementia's rule in Rome, he was exiled to the island of Patmos. Now, during this time this book is being written, Christians were being persecuted all throughout the Roman Empire. They were being thrown into the lions, the Colosseum, they are being thrown and ground up by the millstones now the millstones are the ones that would go around the press and crush the olive for the oil they would throw them in there to crush them Uh, they would put animal skins around them and throw them into the sea and the, the skins would tighten around them they couldn't swim and of course they would drown and perhaps the worst of all if you want to call them ranking I can't imagine this they were used as human torches to light public gatherings parties so imagine if you will we're down here having a party where we're doing it up above us around the top where you see the roof go up would be a Christian every other, I don't know, five feet or so burning at the stake to provide light as we had our good time. Perhaps that's where the term uh, Roman candle came from, I'm not sure. After I learned about that, I found it hard and hard to use Roman candles at 4th of July, but that's another story. It's in the midst of all this that's going on in, in the contemporary where John's at that he receives this vision from the Lord. Look at verse 17. What does Jesus tell him? To not be afraid. Now in this context, of course, when John turns around, he sees him. He falls as a dead man, but the reason he's telling John not to be afraid is because of, because of who he is. We must remember that we must not be afraid either because of who Jesus is. It reminds me back in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus speaking. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Some of us have been getting robbed of our peace recently because of the events unfolding around the world and even in our own country. I want to remind you that we do have peace available to us because of who Jesus is. Not who he was, but who he is. Look at verse 17. John tells us, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Or you could put, as though dead. Now, falling down before God of one of his angels seems to be a common response or reaction that we see throughout Scripture. And when experiencing a supernatural phenomenon of this magnitude, to stand would be tantamount or equal to blasphemy. Standing could even lead to death. One example out of the Old Testament, one of many, is Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, they lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, No. Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? In other words, Can I just paraphrase that? He said, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. And when our Lord comes again, he's not going to take the Baptist side or the Catholic side or the Pentecostal side. He is coming to take over, period. Now, he's in control now. But his kingdom will be fully consummated when he comes back. And we'll say this over and over again. You're going to get tired of hearing this. When he comes back, it's not going to be the same one we found in the manger in a feeding trough. Though no, this is Jesus as he truly is, the Almighty, the Powerful. And everybody on that day will recognize who he is. So we see that with that Thrister We talked about back at Christmas when the angels showed up. The shepherds were all afraid. And what's the first thing the angel said to the shepherds? Do not be afraid. What's more common, though, is people falling down in worship of the Lord. Now, since we're in the book of Revelation, let's take three examples from this book. Revelation chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. When the living, living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever The twenty-four elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their thrones before the throne. Another another passage, Revelation chapter 7, verse 11. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. Revelation chapter 11 verse 16 the 24 elders who sits on their sits on their thrones before God for all in their faces and worship God you know what struck me as i went through them there's many more to look at that stands in stark contrast to many contemporaries today who claim to be in the presence of God and this is very convicting on my part how dare i sit there stone cold unmoving when I'm in the presence of Almighty God. When we see in heaven, what do they do? They're constantly falling on their faces before Him and worshiping Him. Now He is here now. His Holy Spirit is now moving among us. If He was to physically manifest His presence here, all of us would be falling on our faces before Him and worshiping Him. Make no mistake about it. We're not going to go up and give him a high five say, how's it going, homie? No, all that is gone. He is holy. He is perfect. And look what he says in verse 17 as we move on. He said, he placed or laid his right hand on me as John fell down as though a dead man. Jesus reaches down with his right hand, the symbol of strength, authority, and majesty, and places it on John. Now the laying on of hands throughout scripture has seen as commissioning an act. The, the leaders of the church lay hands upon people, transferring or invoking in the passing on of authority and power. I was, when I became a minister, I was ordained, they laid hands on me, it's just setting apart, praying for me. This could be understood as Jesus commissioning John to write this book. But I think there's more going on here. There's comfort. And reassurance, because that right hand that held those stars is now on his shoulder, perhaps on his back, saying, do not be afraid. Now bear with me. Close your eyes if you want. Don't go to sleep. I want you to imagine that picture we read about. Jesus, there was his eyes of fire, his white hair, and his robe, and his sash, and his feet. What an awesome picture that is. And as you fall down, he reaches across and puts his hand, his right hand on your shoulders and tells you, Do not be afraid. Can you see it? Can you see the power of that? Do not be afraid. Because I am the first and the last, he tells John. The basis of not being afraid is built upon the truth, who Jesus is. Dear beloved, when the news comes on and they talk about all this stuff going on, yes, we should take part in the political process. Yes, we should be informed. But do not be afraid. He has told us back in John chapter 16, verse 33 what he said? You will have tribulation. But take heart, take courage, he tells us. I have overcome the world. This description we found back in chapter 1, verse 8, is now applied to Christ. And it's establishing the fact that Jesus is divine. He is deity. He is God. And it's interesting that term, or two words, ego, a me, in the Greek, I, I, am, there's four statements we find within the book of Revelation we've talked about it already in verse 8 of chapter 1 I am the alpha and the omega verse 17 of chapter 1 I am the first and the last chapter 2 verse 23 I am he who searches the minds and hearts and verse 22 verse 16 I am the root and the descendant of David he is can I read that fall literally in the Greek I am I, I am the Alpha and Omega. I, I am the first and the last. I, I am, He searches the minds and hearts. In other words, Jesus said, Me and me alone. The stress is on the I. The first and the last derives from Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4, and chapter 44, verse 6. It's referring to God as creator of all and sovereign over all history. He is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. He is our Savior, our God. Look what he says in verse 18. And the living one, I was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Now that word behold is I do in the Greek. It's interjection. So to read that properly, I should say it like this. The living one and I was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. That living one is a common designation for God in the Bible. For example, Psalm 42 verse 2, my soul thirst for God, for the living God. In Acts chapter 14, verse 15, we are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Why worship the creation? We can worship the very one who created it. Why worship man? Who's creator of man? God. God is the one who created man in his own image. It's God who is the source. And this is very uh, meaningful to them and for us because that's in contrast to idols and pagan gods who have no life or power or in contrast to evil powers that are limited in control. He is the one and the one and only. He is the true living God. There is no other beside him. Verse 18, he says, I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. That contrast between dead and alive is the highlight, the death, and the erection of Jesus Christ. And the reality that Christ lives for all eternity. A reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith also in vain. The resurrection is a vital part of Christianity. It validates who Jesus said he was. God the Father, pleased with his sacrifice, raised his son from the dead, and now he lives forevermore. I want you to know, you know this already, but really think about this. You serve a living God who's unlimited in power. and can do all things. Everything. And if you're in Christ and you're a believer in Christ, you have all the spiritual blessings that you need. And I've said this once, I'm going to say it again and again. The only thing stopping you is you. Oh, dearly beloved, God wants to do so much more. He wants to do so much more. But if you're like me, we spend too much time complaining, and pointing fingers, blaming this person or that, rather than getting before a holy God and falling down before him saying, God, I am unclean. Cleanse me and use me as you will. he says in verse 18 that he has, I have or hold the keys of death and of Hades. Jesus had the, has defeated the powers of evil and has control over them. He holds the keys of death and of Hades. He has power and authority over it all. That's who we serve. And I may get in trouble for this, but here it comes. Who, care, who cares who the president of the United States is when I know the very one who let that man become president in the first place? Who cares about Congress when I know the one who let them become representatives in the first place? Dearly beloved, we serve a living God. A living, powerful And some of you are thinking, well, you can't use me because this, this, and this. Not only can he use you, but he's desiring to use you. But you have to let go. And trust him. Put your faith in him. Quit relying on what man says. Trust what God says and who he is. In verse 19, he says, therefore, why... The things which you have seen, the things which are, the things which will take place after these things. In light of Christ's victory over sin and death, John must write down what God is telling him, and this presents one of the hardest things about Revelation. There's things in Revelation that have already happened, they're done. There's things in Revelation that are happening as we speak, and there's things that will happen in the future. Eschatology, the study of end times, always has that already, but not yet. I said this before, the kingdom of God, do you think of the kingdom of God as somewhere out in the future, or do you think of it as the here and now? It's already and not yet, because Jesus went around preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. He represents that kingdom, and by his dying and shedding of blood and resurrecting, we put our faith in him now, we've become part of that kingdom, and God is reclaiming his creation one life at a time. So the kingdom is here, but not fully consummated yet until he comes again. Do you see what a powerful God that we serve? And yet we settle for so much less. Forestburg Baptist Church, we have some hard days ahead of us. No mistake about it. It's going to be difficult. But on the side of that, I know God wants to do so much more with this body than we can comprehend. That means it starts with each one of us. Letting go and falling down before God. God, here we are. We want to be used of you. We've been so blessed in this country to have the freedom that we have. We've become like spoiled children, so used to having that freedom, but now we complain to the very one who gave us that freedom to begin with. We'll have to answer for the way that we spent such precious liberty and freedom. Does, does our country have its problems? Of course it does. But we still have freedom, unprecedented freedom, like no other place in the world, to preach the gospel of Christ, to lead others to him. Look at verse 20. He tells us about the mystery. As for the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand, See, the focus is not only on Christ, but his church. And, and may I say again, you cannot say you love Jesus and hate his church. That's, that's oxymoron. It's a contradiction to each other. Jesus loves his church. And the seven stars, some identify them as literal angels. However, if you look at the letters, they address problems and demand repentance. Some identify the stars as heavenly counterparts of the churches that typify the spiritual characteristics of the church. They address the spiritual needs of the church. However, the lampstands are the ones that represent the churches. Dare I say that this reflects a tendency of Judaism and even Christianity or parts of Christianity to worship angels. However, keep one thing in mind. we can. Now I'm telling you, the jury's still out on this. Some say they may be the pastors of the church. We can go get a comment, three or four commentaries and go down the list. But here's the most important part we must never miss. Who has those stars in his right hand and who has control over the last one of them? Jesus does. Don't forget that. Worship the one who controls them. Do not forget that Christ is in control over his angels And over his churches. What should you and I be afraid of? If we serve a living God. Who created this world to begin with. Who can do all things by just speaking it. What are we so afraid of? Is fear holding you back? And maybe you think you don't need anyone or need anything. You may think, I can't take care of myself. Or worse yet, you may think, all the church wants is my money. I must say it again, the church doesn't need your money, neither does God. He wants your heart. Everything in creation belongs to Him. God owns everything anyway, right? Anything we have, we are called to be good stewards of it. Even our life doesn't belong to us. We've been purchased with a price. See, the the fact is, this morning, you and I desperately need Jesus Christ. Right now, Jesus wants to tell you to fear not. He is the first and the last. He was dead, but now he's alive forevermore. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Christ speaking. Listen to what he says. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I don't have the power or the authority to cast your soul into heaven or the hell. It's not my job. My job is to proclaim the truth to you the best I can. And what you do with that is your responsibility. Sometimes we get so afraid of what man can do to us. Oh, the government's going to do this and the government's going to do that. What's the worst thing that can happen to me in this life? And I do not say this flippantly. What's the worst thing that can happen? I'll lose this physical life. But to be dead is gay. Because I'll be with Christ. That's what Paul says. Man, can you see that? Eddie, Paul goes on and say, I, I, I'm torn apart. I, I want to go, but yet, I, I want to stay here because there's still more work to do. See, dearly beloved, <laughs> we never Get out of God's love. Who can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Nor height, nor death, no angel, nor created being. Nobody can take it from you. He holds you securely in his hand. I think it's safe to say that most of you here are Christians. But God is preparing us now for some rough days ahead, and we gotta we gotta make our make our decision now. Who are we afraid of? What's going to stop us? What's going to get in our way? And I lead you with this challenge: This is not my words, it's my understanding of Scripture. Do you want to experience God like John did? Do you want to have one of the experience with God you know without a shadow of that you've been in the presence of the Almighty Living God? Then let go. Don't worry about what your friend's going to think, your neighbor. You get before God and you cry out to him. Because if you search him out, he'll make himself known. This all-powerful being. He could just end this place with just speaking it. But he loves you so much that he wanted you into his family So much so, he sent his son, Christ, and he's reaching out his hand even now. Don't be afraid. Come with me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's all about dying to self. As the apostle John said himself, he must increase, I must decrease what are you going to do? It's the invitation. He is here right now calling out to you to take a deeper walk with him. Deeper in your relationship with him. But it has to be your decision. Please do not leave this place until you do some business with God. And really search him out. I don't say this flippantly to use that same word again. But I don't know what else to say. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. But God has promised to walk us through that valley. Then, that not one day, that horn is going to be blown. A trumpet, He's going to descend. Are you ready? How about your family? How about your loved ones? How about friends? How about coworkers? How about yourself? If you want to experience more, you want to be used by God more, then it begins with you falling down before him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we could gather together as your church as brothers and sisters in Christ Father I I'm truly and utterly amazed of who you are what you have done and what you currently are doing and what you've promised to do in the future oh dear God not let one of these precious souls walk out of here with burdens they brought in Help us to shed our fear and approach you. And we know that the only reason we can approach you is because of the precious blood of your Son. I mean, none of us walk out of here in the same way in which we walked in. Not because of the the particular songs or because of the preacher, but simply because we've been in the presence of Almighty God. And we'll never be the same. Continue to speak to us. Continue to move about, move around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?